I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. I'm in my mobile studio today. I got a little work going on at my house uh, with my internet, but... Uh, what hasn't changed is the fact that Awesome, you know as a, know him as Austin, Awesome Ward uh, joins me yet again on the Tim May Podcast. Awesome, welcome. How are you doing today, my man? Great. It's a new day, uh, a new week. Uh, just excited to talk uh, only about Maryland and never about Rutgers again. Oh, I'm sure that we'll actually have to do that. My bad. No, not really. I mean, I put the uh, – I still. I'm, I'm telling you, the third quarter did not did – not did not go down well with Ryan Day when he was watching video yesterday. I'm just leaving it at that, you know. And uh, 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 and and with the Ohio State offensive line coach uh, Greg Studraw, I'm sure he had some problems with some of the things he saw. And defensively, uh, they definitely did. Uh, when you get out gained like Ohio State did in the third quarter, and then the second half, really, you know, that's something you can like gives you a little bit of a whip going into the next game. 49 to 27, though, still still told the tale. Maybe not the true tale, but told the tale of that game agreed yeah I mean maybe not the true tale I think you know you want to be critical of the second half that's fine you could also look at 35 to 3 in the first half uh, and just close the chapter on it I mean that's it it's all a matter of perspective if Ryan Day wants a teaching point he can look at the second half if he wants to you know look at all the other factors that contributed maybe to the malaise and when they you know start the fourth quarter and they think the game's over and just tried to run out the clock and Rutgers wasn't having it, then they can focus on that. It's a, that's why the, the beauty of what we do, what the coaches do, like we can make whatever we want of it. And for me, I just, I'm, I don't really see anything yeah. that happened after halftime is that um, informative about the, the potential. Yeah, I know, but, but then you, you know, the only thing I'd say about that argument is the fact that, well, when Ohio state has trailed many times uh, after the first half and in certain games, and it came back and have a strong second half, you know, uh, you know, you don't just throw the first half away, first half away, and you don't just throw the second half away. You know, it's a sixty-minute game, is all I was saying. And what sure. what troubled me was Ohio State had a chance to really just come and you know and put the hammer down in the third quarter, got the ball first, and didn't get it done. You know, and uh, and that that was what it was. I mean, yeah, the game was already put away, thirty-five to three. Uh, yeah. That drive just before halftime, you know. <laughs> It was what it was. I agree with that. But let's just move on from there. Let's uh, do it. <laughs> bottom line is Ohio State takes on the, the, the one of the two red-hot teams in the Big Ten this week, a game at Maryland. We're going to get back when, – when I get back from my, my guest here in a minute, we're going to talk about that. But it is interesting. Like I said on Saturday night, with the exception of Ohio State, the Big Ten East is upside down. Agreed? <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely bizarre, Tim. Yeah. Well, we're going to get to take Bill Bender of the Sporting News, one of my favorite guests I have on here from time to time, because, you know, he's he lives he lives locally in the Central Ohio area in Pickerington, as he will brag about more often than not. Uh, <laughs> but he has an interesting take on on the Big Ten scene and the national scene where Ohio State kind of fits what the, what the top four should be right now. In his mind is, you know, if you were on the college football playoff committee and uh, and a few other observations. And when we're done with that, awesome. 
We'll be back, and you and I are going to chop it up about Ohio State and the Big Ten from here on out. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply and as promised, ladies and gentlemen, I'm back with one of my best buddies, uh, Bill Bender of the Sporting News. Bill, welcome once again to the Tim May Podcast. Tim, thanks for having me on. How you doing? Pretty good, man. I mean, uh, you know, uh, uh, I love college football in the fall, and suddenly every conference was suddenly playing this past weekend. Uh, what you, would you think about that? I mean, our, you know, uh, slowly but surely, college football is uh, back to its full strength. What, what's your take? Well, I mean, you look at last year and Facebook has these memories and then you realize, well, I was at this game and the playoff race was here last year. And now it almost feels like, Tim, Saturday was kind of the beginning to me in some ways. Everybody was out there. You had two top 10 showdowns that really impacted the picture. Ohio State's three, the Big Ten's three weeks in. Still a lot of question marks about the the conference as a whole. But um, no, it was a fun weekend. And I think... um, We've got two weeks till the first playoff rankings are released, but that playoff picture to me is starting to really form. Yeah. And give give to me in a nutshell. Uh, you know, you and I were talking before we started here and, uh, you know, I, I'm not discounting Oregon, even though it just got started because, you know, uh, teams are obviously we know Notre Dame and Clemson are probably going to play again, for example, uh, you know, and uh, the Southeastern conference is going to be whatever it turns out to be uh, Florida coming on. But what is your, what is your just sort of take on a top four? If you had a top four right now and you were on the college football playoff committee, uh, what would it be? Well, my first sports editor was a guy named Aaron Cordy, and he always liked to say if the season ended today, we'd all be surprised. Now, in 2020, That's good. I might not be surprised, right? So Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, But if I had a top four today, it would go something like this. It would be Alabama and Ohio State one or two. You can put either one at one. I don't care. I mean, they're going to argue about that. Alabama's played more games, so they'd probably be one. High State, two. I would put Notre Dame, three. So I'd get a High State, Notre Dame, Rose Bowl. I think some people might watch that. And then um, I have an Oregon, four for now. And that, really? that leaves Clemson yeah. out. But I think we all understand where Clemson can get back in. Trevor Lawrence back on the field. They go beat Notre Dame. Then it spices up that playoff race a lot. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, though, what's been revealed to me the last two weeks, you know, everybody's talking about Trevor Lawrence this, Trevor Lawrence that. Boston College offensively drove the ball on those guys repeatedly uh, and, that, uh, and couldn't hang on at the end and had a really wacky play in the end zone, which kind of really flipped that game. But Boston College, which is not known for big-time offense going into that game, but especially going against Clemson's, you know, star-studded defense, I'm talking about from a four- and five-star 
rated thing. And then the same thing on at on Saturday at Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame, you know, scored points on Clemson. Whether whether Trevor Lawrence is on the field or not, I don't think would have made that big a difference in that regard. You know, Clemson might have scored a few more touchdowns, you know, who knows? But that to me has been the big reveal about the Trevor Lawrence missing uh question mark is the fact that uh, this is not the Clemson defensive even last year. You agree with me on that, don't you? They have young talent, but it may not be there yet. You know, yeah. some of those five-star freshmen on the defensive line are really good. But in, yeah. you know, in some other programs, they may not play as a freshman. You know, Zach Harrison didn't play much as a freshman at Ohio State. So I think sometimes that's a difference. You need a year to get in there and show that talent. Um, the biggest thing Saturday that stuck out to me, and it would apply to Michigan, Indiana, it would apply to Clemson, Notre Dame. I, it's the first thing I watch when I watch a football game. I guess I'm old, but Clemson couldn't run the ball. Yeah. Couldn't run the ball. Notre Dame stopped their run. And against the freshman quarterback, he played great. He, DJ Uyan Galele, it's as close as I'm going to get. He played great, but exactly. couldn't run yeah. the ball. Yeah. Michigan couldn't run the ball against Indiana. It's not an it. When you have a young quarterback and you can't run the ball, it's not a real mystery what's going to happen in the game. Yeah, and if you watch the defensive calls in those games, though, both of those defenses, Notre Dame and uh, Indiana, were bound to determine that you were they were going to get beat by the pass. If you fought, you know, and you know that you know enough football to know that. And uh, and and then, you know, Michigan could not get it done. And uh, in the final analysis, Clemson couldn't get it done. You know, went to overtime. They gave up the big drive at the end that allowed uh, Notre Dame to score. And that's you know that's what I'm saying. That's what's troubling. If you're a Clemson fan or, you know, a Clemson backer, that's what's troubling to me is uh, you had a chance to win it in, in regulation. You couldn't stop a, you know, a, a desperation touchdown drive. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I had the same takeaway as you did. You got to run the ball somehow, some way. But well, let's just jump right into it. Well, Tim, Go let ahead. me ask you a question because you've done yeah. this a lot longer than me. So, if you look at Notre Dame and you look at Michigan and I – and they're kind of the other programs in the Midwest that we talk about the most other than Ohio State. Yes. Notre Dame looked to me like one of those classic Lou Holtz teams on Saturday. Stop the run, solid. There's nothing like, there's no guy on Notre Dame's team where you're like, that guy is unbelievable. Right. But they played well as, together as a team. And Michigan, who beat these guys soundly last year, has trended in the other direction really quickly. So that's yeah. probably been the most staggering development to me is that Notre Dame really has ascended to what I believe. I don't know if they can win a national title with that team, but I think they're good enough to make the playoff. Yeah, and, um, I, I agree. And I think they're a team that could – if they played Ohio State in the Rose Bowl and we played it out, it would probably play out like their last couple meetings where Ohio State's the more talented team, probably going to win the game. But that does not take away from what Brian Kelly's done there. I think he's done a tremendous coaching job since they've lost the semifinal to Clemson. They showed that they can play with a heavyweight. Yeah, I agree. You know, let's just jump right into this. You know, you got you kind of gave me your national picture there. I'll, let's let's throw one other thing in there before we move on to the Big Ten, which is, uh, as I said on Saturday, except for Ohio State, the Big Ten went upside down <laughs> on Saturday. The Big Ten East, without a doubt. Uh, but uh, uh, Brigham Young, UC, uh, Cincinnati, do they have a shot in your mind of stealing that uh, fourth – stealing's not the right word – coming in the back door into that fourth spot in the college football playoff if either or goes undefeated? 
I mean, you got. You, well, yeah. Let me interrupt. Let me have this uh, rejoinder. You've got to, you've got to give it up to BYU. This may be its best offense ever from just an over-the-top standpoint, and that's that's saying something. And then UC, you know, UC is solid on both sides of the ball and uh, occasionally spectacular offensively. Now, go ahead. I think this is a weird way to answer your question. I think if BYU and Cincinnati played, that BYU would win because of the quarterback, because of the offense, because they're solid on both sides of the ball. But yeah, I think yeah. Cincinnati has a better chance of making the playoff because of their schedule, because they beat some ranked teams, because Luke Fickle's done a fantastic job with that defense, the running game, Desmond Ritter. Um, I think Cincinnati has a chance too. I don't know if BYU's schedule is going to be enough. And then, so if you look at their rooting guide, if you're a Cincinnati fan, here's what you need to happen. You need Oregon to lose. You need the Big 12 to continue to be terrible. So that then you have two conferences out. You need um, you needed you kind of needed Clemson to beat Notre Dame on Saturday because where it's going to get dicey there is if Clemson beats Notre Dame in the rematch, yeah. But it's another classic game. Yeah. I think they're going to put both teams in. Yeah. So your final playoff, in my opinion, is probably going to be Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame, if Clemson beats them. And that's going to leave Cincinnati out with one loss. So you need maybe you need Boston College to go beat Notre Dame this weekend to make that oh, yeah. an elimination game. Well, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I'm just saying, I, 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 there, there's something about that Boston College team in the first year under Jeff Halfley, who a year ago was Ohio State's uh, co-defensive coordinator, defensive co-coordinator, excuse me, uh, that is intriguing to me. You know, and, and of course, one thing you left out of that: what if Florida beats Alabama in the in the uh, SEC championship game? Then what happens? Then it's even more messy because I think yeah. I think you've got to cut some teams out then, and then they could fall back on the the conference championship matters. So yeah. Florida would get in, maybe Alabama would get left out in the cold. That Tim is going to shake yeah. out to be a much more interesting game than I thought it would be two weeks ago. Um, yeah. Agreed. Because of Kyle Trask. And the way that they their offense is great. Florida's defense is bad, though. So yeah. I, I don't know if Florida has enough to beat Alabama, but man, they had enough to beat Georgia on Saturday. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was that was crazy how that game just kind of got away from Georgia, kind of like the Alabama game. You know, when you look back on it, I mean, the Georgia quarterback Stetson, what's his last name? Uh, Bennett. Stetson Bennett. Yeah, Stetson Bennett. Man, he may be in, he may be out over his skis. I mean, I think Georgia is looking at some things right there. Uh, but, but the bottom line is, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, 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 I just think the SEC is interesting, but this is not like you and I talked about when you were on the show many, several weeks ago, this is not, this is not your, uh, your older cousins, Alabama defense either, you know? So, uh, you know, it's an intriguing year. Let's just jump. Speaking of intriguing big 10, uh, uh, Saturday was was about as interesting as it gets. It reminds me of 1984 uh, going into, uh, I think, the next to last weekend of the season. Ohio State had already had two losses at Purdue and at Wisconsin and needed things to happen. You know what I mean? Uh, needed, right. I called it this big wind, big wind of upset swept through the uh, swept through the Big Ten on that, on that next to last weekend or whenever it was. And suddenly Ohio State was in position to win the Big Ten outright with two losses, it beats Michigan. Keith Byers wearing that big wrap on his leg, and uh, and boom, Ohio State became and, and still is the only team ever to win the Big Ten outright with two losses in the league. And and this Saturday had kind of that same feel about it because Indiana, 
you know, did Indiana upset Michigan? I know Michigan was favorite, but was that an upset as you looked at it? And then definitely Maryland over Penn State. Maybe you saw that coming, but you didn't see it coming like it came, uh, like it finally got there. But uh, just what were your takes on those two games, man, and just how it kind of definitely reset things in the Big Ten East? What I didn't see coming, what I did see coming, maybe not to the extent they did it, was Iowa beating Michigan State. That's just predictable. Michigan State coming yeah. off a big win against Michigan, turns around, can't play against the Hawkeyes. Um, Maryland, no I, no, I did not see that coming at all. Their offense is pretty good. They're getting up and down with uh, that offense. Mike Loxley's recruited well, as you guys know, covering yeah. Ohio State. They've, they've pulled good players out of that area of the country. Dwayne Plus they got a quarterback. They got a Tagovailoa quarterback. Tagovailoa. He looked. That, he looked like his brother Saturday. Yeah. Go ahead. He's playing well, and they, you know, Ohio State's got guys like Dwayne Haskins and and Chase Young from that part of the country. If Mike Loxley can recruit there, that might go for a while. Michigan, I thought would win Saturday. I honestly thought, you know, when you haven't lost to a team since 1987, you're coming off a loss. Thought they were the more talented team. What was startling about that is I was watching that game. Tim, I thought to myself, they're not the more talented team. They don't have the better scheme. They don't have the better coaching. And it's wild that Nick Sheridan, who was a Michigan, he started against Ohio State, I think, in Rich Rod's first year against Ohio State in one of those bloodbaths. I think you're right. We would have thought that Nick Sheridan's offense was going to look that much better than what Michigan had. And I I think – it's going to bring up the question now, and you can ask me if you want. I was like, do they get rid of Harbaugh? I don't know. I, I I don't think they fire him. If he decides to leave and they do the mutual parting ways, wouldn't surprise me. The contract runs through next year. You could chalk up this season to COVID. But they don't look anywhere near a Big Ten contender, in my opinion. They, if you no. took the wings off the helmets, you're looking at Iowa or maybe even Purdue at this point. Let me hey, Let me flip it to you. If you – if Indiana had come out in Michigan's uniforms and Michigan come out in Indiana's uniforms, you wouldn't have been surprised by how the game turned out. You follow my drift? Uh, I am with you. I thought, I thought Indiana uh, just as a group had better skill position players on both sides of the ball. Uh, You had wide receivers making plays. You had a quarterback throwing the ball through tiny windows. Michael Penix Jr. Since that last drive in regulation against Penn state, has been a different quarterback. He's got confidence. Uh, he s- seems to know what he's looking at when he looks at the defense. And he's got uh, wide receivers. Yeah, they had a few drops on Saturday or might have been worse, <laughs> you know, yeah. as far as uh, the Michigan uh, point of view was looking at it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, in- I'm incredibly impressed by Indiana. And that's, you know, it's like I said, everything got flipped upside down except for Ohio State on Saturday and even – in the second half of that game, Ohio State left a lot to be desired against Rutgers, but they were up 35 to three. But what I'm getting to, this has made uh, the game with Indiana coming up uh, maybe the showdown game in the Big Ten East. And who had that on their on their board uh, five six weeks ago? Top ten showdown. You're gonna have Indiana yep. top ten team probably at that point if they handle success. Um, yeah. Northwestern is the other surprise after how bad they were last year. They get a quarterback, an Indiana quarterback, of course. Indiana quarterback, Indiana breeds uh, championships. Right. <laughs> and they're, they're probably, depending on what happens with Wisconsin, they might be the best bet to go to the Big Ten championship again. So, yeah. I mean, that's the road Ohio State's going to have to face. I think the Buckeyes' biggest challenge is guarding against complacency. 
you know, maybe there was a little bit of that in the second half against Rutgers. Maybe, you know, Ryan's got to keep them. They're going to be favored by absurd margins the rest of the way. And the Michigan yeah. margin will probably even be 15, 16. I mean, that's just guessing right it now. Might be, it might be higher than that, my friend. I yeah, mean, I mean, 20. I'm serious. It, it, yeah. it could be 20. And that's yeah. not saying that lightly. Um, so, you know, I, I think they've got to guard against that complacency. Indiana's definitely been the best story in the Big Ten. When I look at those streaks, and I know, like I said, you've been around this a little bit longer. I remember Anthony Thompson. I was nine years old. So, I mean, when they're bringing back that era of Indiana football where they were actually competing for the Rose Bowl, it's a pretty impressive job by Tom Allen. Yeah. Bill Mallory, shades of Bill Mallory. You know, they showed shots of uh, retrospective shots of uh, Mm -hmm. Indiana from back in the 80s and 90s the other day, and especially the 80s, like you said, 87. You know, they beat beat Ohio State and Michigan that year. And, uh, you you know, you're not old enough to remember this, but Earl Bruce called that loss to – Indiana and Ohio Stadium, you know, we're sitting there in the post-game press conference. He said it was the darkest day in Ohio State football history. <laughs> and uh, he had a few more dark days to come that season before he was summarily fired uh, with a week to go and ends up pulling off the upset against Michigan. But my, my point was Indiana beat Ohio State two years in a row, 87 and 88. And I remember writing after the loss, uh, Ohio State's loss at Indiana, where I, Indiana could almost named its score you know, a new day has dawned in the Big Ten. I mean, because you just it just felt like it. Ohio State seems so far away, kind of like what Michigan looked like a little bit on Saturday, but but nobody saw that coming with Michigan. You know, with John Cooper's first year in 88, Ohio State had a lot of rebuilding to do. But this is the sixth year of the Jim Harbaugh era. And, you know, I'm just thinking maybe the maybe the happiest guy uh, in the Big Ten to see Michigan lose on Saturday was probably James Franklin because – Penn State's sitting there 0-3, but everybody's talking about Michigan being 1-2. and two. <laughs> What uh, do you think? It's because Michigan is who gets more headlines than Penn State. Yeah. I mean, even any Jim still has a winning record against James Franklin. That easily gets forgotten. So, I, you know, the biggest yeah. thing I was seeing on my timeline is if you play it out. So, okay, let's say Harbaugh leaves and goes and coaches the Texans or the whoever, some bad NFL team that's yeah. willing to take that on. Um who, who really wants that job? Who can take that job? Who wants that job? Do they do the Ohio State thing? And the two names that are going to get thrown out there would be Luke Fickle. I don't think it would happen. I think what he has at Cincinnati is pretty special. He's a Columbus kid. He's a DeSales kid. And um, if and this is a – it may not happen for a long time. I, I always thought if Luke Fickle was going to go next level, that job would be Notre Dame because of some of those Catholic ties, you know. Um, yeah, yeah then you start to think, okay, who else has Ohio State ties that Michigan may actually entertain? And, and Jeff Halfley would be interesting. Yeah. Because then yeah. you'd have a modern, you know, he has good ties with Ryan Day. He's a good coach. I think he's a rising star. You probably do too. I mean, we saw it last year with what he did oh, with yeah. the defense. And you're kind yeah. of seeing it with BC. But you'd be taking a risk there. Um, and then the other one's Matt Campbell, a Mountain Union guy. Um done a fantastic job at Iowa State, was a guy that Ohio State fans for the two and a half hours that Urban Meyer was not the coach, um, thought that, you know, it might be him if if it wasn't going to be Ryan Day. Um, So those are really it. And do you really think one of those three guys wants that job? It's not would they do better than Harbaugh. I actually think all three of those guys might be – might 
do better long term. It's yeah. a question of do they want that job? Well, here's the thing. Michigan, this is what I always tell people. You know, when you think about this can't happen because of this, you know. Gary Moeller was an Ohio State captain. He was an Ohio State guy. Bo Schimbeckler was a was a, an assistant coach uh, with Woody Hayes. You know, he'd never been a Michigan he'd never been a Michigan man till he got hired to be the Michigan head coach. This idea you got to be a Michigan man, I think, has been blown out of the water now. Uh, and like I said, Gary Moeller, you know, he had his problems that got him canned up there, but uh, he was fairly effective as a Michigan coach. You got to say that much. Uh, right. The interesting thing, like I said, these blue blood, tradition-rich blue blood program jobs don't come open very often, and you can't necessarily like, and I'm not saying Luke Fickle is even contemplating this, but if a Michigan comes calling, you've got to listen. I mean, you know, uh, because Ryan Day, he could be at Ohio State for another, you know, people keep thinking he might end up uh, maybe maybe pursuing an NFL job down the line. We'll see if that happens. I don't. I don't get that feel from him at all at this moment, but you, you can spend your whole lifetime waiting for your dream job to come open. And then when it does, you have a five and six record that five and seven record that year and you don't get it. You understand what I'm saying? So I think all those cards are on the table. Uh, another name I would throw in there and you know, you might laugh and others might laugh is PJ Fleck. I think PJ Fleck showed what he could do at Western Michigan. Uh, Yes, he's had a rough start to this year, but last year he showed it. And you give him a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a current with that row the boat yeah. <laughs> aspect going, and he can he he can make things happen. I mean, some people, you know, are a little bit turned off by his uh, quote personality. I I, I like it because I think he's legit. I mean, I think he is uh, is serious to the bone about winning football games and uh, and and recruiting, and and that's where Michigan. Like I just go back to what we talked about a while ago when I told you, I thought I thought Indiana as a group had the better skill position players on Saturday. That makes no sense. That makes right. no sense to me. Uh, and but it does if you if you've really looked at things. And uh, so I wouldn't rule any of those guys out, including Matt Campbell. How could Matt Campbell, as much as he's shown his uh, uh, his allegiance to his players and, and people at uh, Iowa state, how could he not at least contemplate the Michigan job? You know, I mean, uh, so I think those definitely, those cards are on the table because Michigan, if indeed they make a move, which isn't certified, it's going to happen. Uh, you got to look at guys who've gotten it done and maybe tougher situations than what Harbaugh faced. Yeah. And I mean, Harbaugh, when he leaves, I think, there is no doubt he's improved the program, in my opinion. I mean, where they were at the end of Brady Hoke era, it was Michigan football was unrecognizable. Um, yeah. The Rich Rod thing, I'm starting to rethink a little bit because I almost think they hired him too soon. You know, it, it's weird. Like, because I, yeah, it didn't work. Yeah, the Michigan man was a thing there, but they, they did put up offensive numbers. They just couldn't stop anybody then. And you then, know what you remind me of? It reminded me when 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 Nebraska got rid of Frank Solis and they wouldn't hire Bill Callahan because they right. wanted this professional pro offense, you know, blah, blah, blah. And really, they've been paying the price ever since then. Yeah, they got to a Big Ten championship game under Bo Pelini and stuff, but they've been really paying the price to get back to uh <laughs> to relevance, you know, or consistent relevance ever since then. Agreed. 
Oh, for sure. And, and again, I mean, that's what the scheme changes. And now they bring Scott Frost back and they're starting to say, well, he's not getting it done. Well, yeah. he inherited, he kind of inherited the same thing Harbaugh did. And I think it's harder to build at Nebraska than it is at Michigan, at least in Great. the big 10. So, you know, Michigan's been, they haven't, in my opinion, they really haven't been sane since 2016 in the spot. That was the last time, and you know, I've been in the box for several, I've been in the box for the last five. Um, 16 was the only time that I truly felt that Michigan might have the better team, at least because of their defensive line. The one thing they didn't have, though, was the better quarterback, Ed Wilton Spate, right? And I yeah. remember walking up in the elevator with you in 18, and that was when Michigan was doing the, the revenge tour, and they had a lot of momentum. They were big favorites in that game. And you yeah. said something like, yeah, it might be close, hinting that Ohio State was going to win big. And I was thinking, you know, Tim's right. Yeah, I mean, they just had the better team. And then it yeah. showed up, like, first drive when Haskins took it down, I said, well, this game's going to be bad. I didn't think it would be that bad. But um, – and that's on Michigan to respond. I mean, Ohio State doesn't have to wait for them to do that. And it's going to take I, – I'm fairly certain Harbaugh's not the guy – I just don't know who is. I mean, that's yeah. a really hard question. Yeah. Well, that's for an AD, man. I mean, you know what? You may think you hire the right guy, but it takes three years to find out if you did. And uh, that's the dice you roll, you know, when you're in that position. Right. And uh, and Ohio State has got it going on so tremendously from a recruiting standpoint and then the product they're putting on the field now, which is very attractive to uh, big-time skill players, as you well know. Uh, you know, it's that's that is definitely a project they've got going up there. But what really stands out, you know, and I'm not knocking this guy because everybody's got their own way of doing things. But the, I think the Don Brown defensive genius uh, defensive genius story has run its course uh, because, um, you know, I'm, like I tweeted on Saturday, if I State doesn't throw the ball 45 times minimum, weather permitting on December the 12th. You know what I mean? Uh, in Ohio Stadium, then there ought to be an inquest because they're just inviting you to throw the ball on them just repeatedly. And that's what really is stunning. You know, like you said, running game and defense are what you build, usually build championship programs on. And then when you get a big time passing game like Ohio State has now, now you really got something going for you, just like Alabama does with Najee Harris as a running back, but then Mac Jones. And yeah, they lost a waddle but they've still got a really good fleet of wide receivers. This is, <clears throat> even with Waddle missing, this still has a chance to maybe be the most prolific, uh, maybe not the right word, scary offense Alabama has ever put on the field. And I've been watching them since 1961, you know? So right. you got to play offense, you know, in modern college football, you got to be able to play offense. and uh, But defensively, you got to be able to stop some people every now and then. That's what really jumps out at me. Yeah, I mean, the Don Brown thing, um, if you're going to play that style of defense, you have to have two things happen. You have to have a pass rush that lands on the quarterback. It doesn't. Yes. And they just lost Aiden Hutchison. Um, yes. And you have Bad. to have corners that can play press coverage. They don't currently have that. Maybe Don Brown could run that scheme at Ohio State where you have good elite corners and uh, a good deep pass rush. Um Michigan doesn't yeah. have it. The last time they had that, and I keep circling back to it, was 16 when they had yeah. 
their defensive line, you go back and look at it, like Taco Charlton's a good NFL player. Um, Pickerington kid, too. Of course, yes. I, had to, I had to drop, get a Pickerington. I know, drop. man. I knew, I knew you'd get to there. I, knew I got a there. Pickerington drop in because they, and they, by the way, they are playing in the state championship game this week. Um, I knew you dropped that in, too. I knew it, and I, it was good. I had to I'm, get I'm there at it. some point. I was going to uh, bring it up, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, but they had guys like Chris Wormley. They had guys like Winovich and Rashawn Gary. They were guys that could get after the quarterback. And, um, yeah, they don't have that now. And they don't have yeah. corners that can play press coverage. Their stubbornness is going to be their undoing. This, I think that stubbornness on both sides, maybe not offense. They've tried to do things differently, but I mean, Joe Milton isn't seeing the field like, and that, you know what, he, Timmy's played in three games. So you can't like, right. Right. But you know, if you can't run the ball and you have a quarterback that hasn't played a lot of football, that's going to happen. Yeah. Well, just look at the, uh, look at the four teams right now that we're talking about college football playoff. Uh, They've all got veteran quarterbacks. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is coming back, you know. And right. Mac Jones, not a veteran, but he's an old guy, older guy has been in the program. We played a lot last year when Tua got hurt, you know. Uh, and then, of course, Ohio State, Justin Fields, Ian Book at uh, at uh, Notre Dame, you know, Zach Wilson out at out at BYU, the kid at uh, the kid at UC. I mean, this is a season when I think veteran or at least older quarterbacks are kind of showing the way if you follow my drift, because right. it's a weird, this is a weird, weird season, no matter how you, how you cut it up because of the COVID-19 thing. And I, that's why, you know, uh, like you said, having a first year starting quarterback, it's kind of a tough, tough road to hope because eight games go mighty fast. Agreed. Oh, for sure. And, yeah. and again, you know, as we get into this playoff race and I'm putting up our bull projections, as soon as we get off the phone, I mean, to me, it's just, Right now, it's the pressure's on Oregon. They go undefeated. I then go Ohio State and Alabama. I mean, I hate to put the cart before the horse, but I, I don't see either one of those teams losing, in their at least in their conference. And then it's yeah. going to be a question of Clemson with Lawrence against Notre Dame. And, and I always tell people there are two simple rules for getting it. Well, three simple rules for getting in the college football playoff. And the first one's kind of tough and snobby. It's be from a Power 5 conference. Two, go undefeated. That, that's you do those two things you're you're in you're in. three is don't lose twice yeah like that yeah. the one loss mess is where and ohio state's been on both sides of that with the one loss part you know the one with alabama the one with you know getting in over penn state the reason why penn state didn't get in the playoffs that year is they lost two games yeah and, and the committee can say oh well when they put a two loss team in over a one loss team let me know so yeah. I, I think those are so the big question becomes, what do you do with Notre Dame and Clemson? And the perception, the score will matter. Um, I will say this, and, and I said it Saturday night as well, and it's a lot of Catholic school talking here, but and every time number one goes to Notre Dame, it produces an amazing game. And it did yep. Saturday. That was an amazing game. I wonder how loud it would have been had it been a full stadium. Obviously, a lot got written about them storming the field. I, yeah, Tim, if I, I hate to say this because it's probably irresponsible, but if I was a college kid, I probably would have done the same thing. And that doesn't make it right. I'm just telling you what was the, probably the thought process of a lot of those kids. Yeah. Excitement is excitement, you know. Right. And uh, it was just a, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't recommend it necessarily the way things right. are going right now, but, uh, you know, sometimes you can't hold the horses back if you follow my drift. Like we got three horses, believe me. One of them ran over me the other day. So uh, sometimes <laughs> it happens. Hey, Bill Bender. 
Thanks for joining the Tim May podcast again, my friend. Well, I'm going to have you on later in the season, too, when these things start to really kind of filter out. But you always uh, give me that national perspective, which I appreciate. No, thanks for having me on, Tim. You guys are great to me. Hopefully we can meet in the press box here soon. And um, check us out at SportingNews.com. We'll have plenty of coverage going the rest of the year. And by the way, real quick, give people a taste because, you know, this is coming out, dropping on Tuesday. We're talking on a on a Monday. Uh where do you have Ohio State going to a bowl? Where what what bowls Ohio State going to? I still have them in the Rose Bowl. I have them in the playoff, playing against Notre Dame, and then Oregon and Alabama in the playoff for now. Um, hey, well, let me interrupt you. Don't you think? Well, don't you think Ohio State, if it gets to the playoff, it's going to the Rose Bowl, whether it's the one, two, or three seed. I mean, that's the way I'm sort of looking at that because I think they see the Rose Bowl as so is Ohio State's home bowl game, even though it's. 3,000 miles from where we're sitting. Right. Well, <laughs> but, the uh, reason why, yeah, the reason why Ohio State will go to the Rose Bowl one, two, or three, if they're one, they're going to the Rose Bowl because that's where the Big Ten team goes. If they're two or three, yeah. that would mean that probably Alabama or Clemson is one. Probably, yes. and, and they'll protect Alabama by putting them in the Sugar Bowl, right? So right, right. It's, um, yeah, so, I mean, Pasadena after all, 2020. That's uh, That'll make us all feel normal if the Buckeyes end up there. Yeah, San Gabriel Mountains, baby. Sunset. Hey, Bill Bender, thanks for joining the Tim May Podcast, man. We'll catch you on the flip-flop. No problem. Thanks for having me. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, man, it's always always a pleasure for me having Bill Bender on me. He's one of those uh, soft-spoken, down-to-earth kind of dudes, Midwest kind of dudes. Yep. kind of tells it like it is. And, you know, we were talking about Jim Harbaugh and the situation he's in up there now and, and awesome. Uh, I know you picked up on some of that, but like he says, you know, if something happens to Jim Harbaugh, who does Michigan, who does Michigan go and get, you know, or who wants that job? And I, I reminded him, well, Michigan's a blue blood program. You know, just when you think a guy doesn't want it, I reminded him Gary Moeller was a captain at Ohio state played at Ohio state. He took the job. <laughs> Bo Schimbecker had never been there, and then he defined in his own way what a Michigan man was just by being the coach there. There are people who would line up to have a shot at the Michigan job if it did come open, correct? Yeah, and I think that, you know, some of those hints that you sprinkled in there, I don't believe that the coach at Cincinnati uh, would be one of those people to jump at that particular job. Um, that's my personal opinion and from my years of being around him. Your other point is correct. They can, they're going to be able to pick from almost anybody they want uh, elsewhere. I just, I think the hatred of and the rivalry is so ingrained in Luke Fickle. And I know yeah. that you've talked about the other people in the past. Like that's just been his entire life hating that team. And I think when Luke Fickle leaves Cincinnati, uh, it would be uh, basically any other job. But I think he'll be pretty picky about the cream of the crop that arise. But Matt Campbell, to me, seems like the most obvious fit uh, for Michigan. Um, now, it'll be interesting to see if they recognize that the marketplace could change. If, if Texas wants to do something, if USC wants to do something, then maybe it's advantageous for them to agree that it's time to part ways so they can actually be involved in the coaching market. That's maybe getting ahead of things a couple weeks. But 
I think yeah. the overall point is that it is very clear to both Jim Harbaugh and Michigan that this is not going to work out the way that they envision. Yeah. I mean, you haven't played for a Big Ten championship yet, you know? <laughs> and they you haven't won't. even won the Big Ten East. No, nope, uh, they won't this year. Yeah. Let's jump right into the Big Ten East. All right. Penn State's on the bottom of the Big Ten <laughs> East. Wow. Michigan's right above them, standing on Penn State's back. <laughs> we'll see how that game goes, right? Yeah. Uh, dude, it's Ohio State and Indiana neck and neck, showdown coming. And then you got Maryland under Mike Loxley, the talented head coach of Maryland. You got to you got to admit he is a hell of a recruiter, hell of a transfer portal yeah. uh, welcoming dude, uh, Talia Talia Tagovailoa. I mean, uh, he looked like his brother, maybe even better on Saturday yeah. when they, especially that first half with that Rakeem Jarrett, that sensational freshman they've got. He had what uh, I think, I think uh, Maryland's five touchdowns were all by 35 yards or 30 yards or 35 yards or longer plays against Penn State's defense. So the big play capability is there. We, you know, we've seen Ohio State be a little suspect from time to time in the secondaries the last couple of games. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, uh, you, you got to give it up to Loxley. I know you're, you're not a big fan of Mike Loxley, but you got to give it up to the fact that they're two and one and by hook or crook they've gotten there. I think this week uh, I'm going to, um, you know, swallow uh, my pride and eat a little crow after what, you know, Rutgers did. And I'm not, I'm going to cool it on some of the uh, hyperbole about the opponent. Um, so, and I'll give him credit for this. The fact that they're two and one in no way did I think that that was possible. I, I watched the entirety firm and I were on the road watching uh, the Minnesota Maryland game. And I saw a lot of flaws still popping up in that team. And yet, you know, they sure. didn't give up. And they, as you referenced with the way they beat Penn state, hit some big plays for Kim Jarrett, uh, Tago Bailoa, you know, they can throw it. They're at 276 passing yards a game. I made sure to check on that. Uh, this morning to get ready for this week because we're going to be talking about that Ohio State secondary a lot. Yeah. Um, so he's doing some things offensively, and he, you know, he landed a five-star receiver, and he and that kid is showing it why he was uh, so coveted by Ohio State and everybody else around the country. He's a tremendous wide receiver. So you know, Maryland two years ago that was the last game, um, you know, at Maryland the last time Ohio State played a single-digit Big Ten game. Um, it's a it's a tricky place to go. This is probably a trickier um, offense with Mike Loxley and, and those skill players, that, you know, Maryland's offense. So, you know, just um, this is one that you have to be locked in for because as, the, as 2020 has proven, um, nothing can be taken for granted in this Big Ten East. And if you lose this one, you got yourself a real problem if you're Ohio State. Oh, yeah. um, and that Indiana game becomes uh, even more urgent. Yeah. Actually – We'll get in our predictions, bold predictions later in the week, you know, as you well know. But, yeah, we can, uh, we've got we got four days before that. I think Ohio State handles business on Saturday, to be honest with you. That's just my gut early gut call because uh I think they were I think they had a little bit of a wake up in the third quarter Saturday night, just that you you know, this is this is such a wacky, wacky year. It is turning into a wacky season without a doubt. Northwestern with a Indiana transfer quarterback. Looks like the team to beat in the West. Indiana with an Indiana quarterback looks like <laughs> the, the best challenger to Ohio State. You see where I'm going with all that. Yeah. And then Ohio State, like I said, 
you know, they had that wacky third quarter and maybe early fourth, but they still win by, by 20, what, 22 points. I, I got my points all wrong. You know, when we were, we were talking about, I mean, I said the uh, State got outscored 28 to 14 <laughs> in the second half. And I kept forgetting the fact that, uh, Greg Ciano's two point, two point conversion, uh, schemer needs some work to do. Like I told you after that game, uh, well, they better hope they don't get to a third overtime game because they, they have no shot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, if those were their four best two-point conversion tries, wow. But uh, <laughs> but here's, here's what I want to ask you. Coming out of that game, yeah. who is a guy that you think should play more from what you saw in that game Saturday? Uh, or or is that guy already playing? You follow my drift. I mean, I, that's kind of a kind yeah. of a – two-edged uh, question there about Ohio State, but who is who is somebody on Ohio State that caught your eye in a good way? I uh, It sounds like a broken record for this show and you and I's conversation, but um, Josh Proctor, and I think it wasn't so much what Josh Proctor did or didn't do in that game, but Marcus Hooker is missing a lot of tackles, and the thing that Jordan Fuller did so well uh, was being that eraser, and if you look at that, that fake, uh, the you know, direct snap where Rutgers sold the, the snap over the head. Um, yeah. Marcus Hooker is, you know, he had a chance to get him on the ground. I'm not saying it was an easy play for him or whatever. He was the guy where you know that if that had been Jordan Fuller, then that play would have been over. It would have been a first down and not, you know, a 60-yard run to set up a touchdown. And, you know, I, I think that that's – if we're looking at all of this stuff that happened in the second half and if we're going to assign value to it, which is fair. What you've said, all of it is fair. Um, I'm not arguing that point at all. Maybe that safety position is one where they've got to, you know, try something else. And, you know, uh, Bryson Shaw put an absolute smackdown on one hit late in the game. We've seen Ronnie Hickman out there. Um, maybe it's not Josh Proctor. If they like what role he's in, yeah. maybe it's maybe it's one of those other guys. We've seen Lathan Ransom playing some. Um, you know, Shaw now Hickman, they've got experience. Um, you know, maybe this is a, maybe that's just a spot where Ohio State is still in flux. Hey, wasn't it Proctor, though, that made the tackle at the end of that play? That he ran made... him down. Yep. Exactly. I'm telling you. I mean, I, I, on, uh, on the 97.1 The Fan, the uh, pregame show I do with uh, with uh, Anthony Rothman and Jake Ballard every every week, I, I thought Josh Proctor was was had a chance to be that guy that really uh, shined on Saturday night. That was my guy. My, they called him my money man. And, <laughs> you know, but my point was he didn't have that really – spectacular two interception game or something but yeah i watched the video too after i got home the other night and uh or and it he's shown in that game i mean in his own way and uh they like you said they used him all over the field i think that is something to take especially when you have these memories of that game at, at maryland two years ago when they let all those plays out of the gate you know and you then you can't take into account rakeem jarrett that freshman and the big plays they had at, at Penn State, you can't you can't let the big plays out the gate. And uh, I think you're exactly right uh, that you might see a little bit of a shakeup there. Offensively, uh, Justin Fields, we're watching. Too bad this isn't a 12 game regular season with a championship game and then possibly two college football playoff games. Justin Fields is having a year, and a couple of passes he threw on Saturday night. We talked about it in our rapid reaction show uh, right after the game. Uh, I'm telling you, he just looks like that poised veteran dude. He held the ball too long a couple of times on Saturday and his offensive line 
wasn't the best against what uh, uh, Rutgers and Greg Schiano and them were dialing up all the time. But they'll have, but Ohio State rolled him away from that a lot, which was very smart. And he was very accurate on the move, in my opinion. We're really watching. We're really watching a special guy. He's the he's the best player in college football. Um, I would. I thought that before the year. I think that he. I would rather. If it were me drafting a team next spring, I would rather build around Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Maybe that's because I watch Justin Fields every week and not Trevor Lawrence. The things I've seen him do, I just, I don't think I've ever, even what Dwayne Haskins did two years ago, we thought, wow, never seen anybody at Ohio State who, throw, who will throw the football quite like that. Justin Fields is the is the best quarterback I have ever seen. Yeah. It's, it's and, not, I'm not exaggerating. It's not hyperbole. It's not because he's here right now. He does things that I've seen no quarterback do. And I don't, it's hard to even pick what throw was the most impressive to me on Saturday night, but the one rolling to the right, the Olave touchdown, I thought for sure from the press box, and I said this to you on Saturday night, that it was an interception. Yeah. It was on the money. It was the right touch. It was the right velocity. He, when Olave got there, the ball's just sitting in his hands. And I just, it, that throw was insane. Yeah. Well, the other touchdown to Olave was incredibly impressive also down the left side. I mean, that, and then, of course, the pass to Garrett Wilson uh, over in the left corner. You know, Wilson ran that little cut in and cut out and uh, in the back of the end zone. That ball was so, thrown so pure, it was crazy. Yep. I mean, I, you know, I've been watching quarterbacks, you know, personally, I consider myself an aficionado, but others <laughs> might not. But I'm telling you, this guy is as special as I've ever seen. You got to. I mean, I, I watched Joe Namath play at Alabama live, you know. <laughs> I mean, I've been watching quarterbacks for a long time, and, and Justin Fields is right up there. And what's what's amazing, before we go here, awesome, what's amazing is the last two games he really hasn't run the ball, uh, yep. you know, with any frequency, which is what a lot of people were worried about after the first game. You know, they've still got that in their hip pocket because, uh, you know, and I know a couple of those zone reads, which weren't really zone reads, he just handed the ball off. If he'd kept the ball on a couple of those, he might have gone 30 before anybody touched him on yeah. Saturday night. And just because of the way the defense was flowing, because they, even Greg Schiano is smart enough to know they don't want their top quarterback to get hurt. <laughs> so, you know, so they've still got that when it, when push comes to shove that they didn't have really against uh, Wisconsin or yeah, Wisconsin or uh, Clemson last year in the, in the championship game of the big 10 and then the college football playoff. They still got that to go to if they need it, especially next week. But uh, real quick before we go, uh, I don't think what's going on at Maryland is a mirage, but uh, you got to admit they've got a little bit of they got a little bit of a, a moxie going for them, going in, momentum going into this week. Uh, you know, what is your what would be your primary concern as you uh, early evaluate this game? Just that Ohio State comes ready to defend the pass and that they. Um, you know, if there was if there was any complacency that sat in that they shake that out quickly, I do think there is. Like I said, I'm going to give credit to other programs uh, this week just because I had a rough week evaluating Rutgers. But you know, what I talked about with that Minnesota game, and then the fact that it clearly it clearly looks like Penn State has tapped out on this season, uh, and they were already missing a number of players. Um, you know, I think there's a little bit element of fool's gold with Maryland, but. Um, they can certainly prove that wrong. I, they, they're they're going to feel good about themselves. They still beat Penn State. They're not going to say Penn State is 0-3 or, or lost their first two games. 
that's still a team, even with guys opting out, that was very talented. And to take it to them the way they did, they should feel good about that. Ohio State is a completely different animal, though, uh, and the talent disparity between these two programs is massive. Uh, it would take a special effort for them to get it done, um, but they're not. They're going to probably take some element of what Rutgers did: trick plays, aggression on fourth down. You know, throw everything you got at them and hope that and hope for the best because that's all you can do um, against this Ohio State team that is so much better than everybody else in the league. Yeah, and as as uh, Maryland showed uh, against uh, Minnesota, and it showed, you know, basically taking the big lead against uh, Penn State, but hanging on. But the bottom line is, these are league games. I keep enforcing that with people. These are conference games. Most of the time in conference games, the opponent doesn't quit, you know, doesn't roll over. And uh, I think we saw that, a good example of that on Saturday night in Ohio Stadium. Uh, And Maryland, you know, just seems to have a little bit of a kick to itself right now. And I, I don't expect Maryland to maybe get down in the first half and roll over in the second half. I really expect them to fight I, from what I've seen of them in two games, two of the three games they played so far this year. And uh, so that's what stands out to me. This is, these are four quarter games. And I think Ohio state has gotten that message. Yep. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's uh, awesome ward. Uh, I'm Tim may. This is another version of the Tim may podcast. Thank you very much for watching. And we'll be back next week to kind of chop up things uh, from Ohio state coming out of that game with Maryland and looking forward to its showdown game. But until then, this is Tim May for Awesome Ward. We'll see you then. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.